You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Tom, I'm going to ask the pillars, I'm going to ask Devin, and if I like one of those dancers, I'll do it. But if I don't like any of those, I'm going to continue to do it. That's not wise counsel. You choose people who you believe are seeking God and can give you godly counsel, biblical counsel. And it's okay to seek a several, and if you're truly seeking God, and they're truly seeking God, chances are the counsel you're going to get is going to be very similar from each person. Can you imagine the sense of responsibility that the president must feel? If you think that's a lot of pressure, imagine how King David must have felt. He knew that he needed help discerning what was best, so he surrounded himself with wise counsel. In today's message, Pastor Dave will help you be wise like King David. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of First Chronicles chapter 27. As he begins his message, The Finishing Touches. First Chronicles chapter 27. Today we're going to be in First Chronicles 27 and 28. I call this the finishing touches because David is putting the finishing touches to his administration, putting the finishes touchings to all the materials for the temple, and he's just kind of wrapping things up, you know? So he's kind of wrapping things up now as far as his life is concerned. So let's open with a word of prayer, shall we? Bow our hearts. Oh, most gracious Father, we ask that you open up our hearts, Lord, that you would touch us in a special way by your Spirit. Help us, Lord, to glean from these scriptures those things which are important to you that you are showing us, Father God. Lord, as we look to David's life, Father God, we've been following it along now for a while. Help us, Lord, to put the finishing touches on this and just really know your hand was upon him the entire time as your hand is upon our lives, guiding and leading us by your Spirit, Lord. So we thank you, Father God, that you've given us this time. Ask, Lord, that you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we've been studying in these last weeks, you know that after David numbered the people and sinned greatly against God, the nation suffered great consequences when 70,000 men died because of a plague sent by the Lord. But when David confessed his sin... He went to the threshing floor of Ornan and he confessed and he made sacrifice and he made the proper sacrifice because God accepted the sacrifice at that place. It was the place where David chose to go, where he felt God had led him. And then David says, this is the house of the Lord. This is where the altar belongs. And we know that this becomes the place where the temple is actually built. It says that way back in 22 Verse 1, which says, Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David knew in his heart that this is where God wanted the temple to be. And we talked about this in length right there at the top of Mount Moriah, the same mountain that Abraham took his son Isaac to be sacrificed to the Lord. 
Abraham said those beautiful words led by the Spirit, and God will provide himself a sacrifice. So we know that the same place that Jesus Christ was crucified for our... So it's a beautiful picture there. Now then David gathered all the necessary materials to build the temple. He began this gathering pledge. He even began to get monies and offerings and tithes from the people to help them so that they could feel part of the process. And, you know, that's important. David let the people join in in the giving, and I think it's important that you feel ownership. Then he calls for his Solomon, his son, and he charged him, saying, you're going to build the house of the Lord. And he encourages him in verse 22, chapter back again in 22, verse 13. I want to read that to you because it's important verses. He tells them, he says, Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor to be dismayed. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare the house of the Lord. 100,000 talents, etc., etc. He knows that. So David's telling his son, You're going to build the house of the Lord. Have courage. The Lord is with you. He will do the same for you that he's done for me. If you obey his commandments, if you do what he asked you to do, and we can relate that to our lives. We have many, many promises from the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're to obey his commandments, and we read that in 1 John. And the commandments aren't burdensome. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the commandments that fulfill the whole law and the prophets that Jesus said. So he's told us this is what we want to do. And if we do those things... To the best of our ability, God blesses. God pours his love out upon us, and we are blessed beyond belief. And after that, David called all the elders of Israel together and commanded them to help his boy, help my son do these things that he wants to do. I want to bring the Ark of the Covenant back here. We want to bring the articles of God. Now remember, the tabernacle was still in Gibeon, but that Ark of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, was in Jerusalem. But they needed to bring all the articles back also and put them into the house that was going to be built by Solomon now. So we have this time. David then divides the Levites into divisions of service in chapter 23. He divided the priests in chapter 24, the musicians in chapter 25, and the gatekeepers and porters, and he placed men over the treasury in chapter 26. And I love the fact that David always gives other people jobs to do. I like that. I like giving people work to do. Not that I'm lazy and don't want to do the work, but there's blessing in doing the work of the Lord. There's blessing when you can involve other people in doing God's work, and they become blessed. That's what we do as a church. We raise people up. We send them out so that they can do the work of the Lord, and they're blessed. And the Lord blesses them and uses them to accomplish his purpose, and that's the way it goes. David knew this, understood this, so he raised all these people up. So as we do come to chapter 27, David is going to add, as I said, the finishing touches to his service to the Lord. David is getting old, and his time is getting near to where he's going to go to the Lord, be buried with his fathers. So the first thing he does is he begins by dividing the men into military divisions. Look at chapter 27, verse 1. And the children of Israel, according to their number, the heads of fathers of houses, the captain of thousands and hundreds and all officers, served the king in every matter of the military divisions. These divisions came in and went out 
month by month throughout all the months of the year, each division's having 24,000 men. So you see, each unit was of 24,000. There were times 12. One group served the Lord all the time, each month. What does that tell you? It tells you that they were always ready for battle. There was always a group that was ready, standing guard, ready for battle. And I had said this before, even today, even today, Israel is ready for battle. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but every male and female, when they reach the age of 18, must do at least 24 to 36 months of military service. It's part of what you do as an Israeli child growing up. We become a man and you become a woman. You get to be the age 18, you go into the military. Now, there are several exemptions, and you can read about that yourself. But Israel is always ready. I told you about the time when we were standing on the mount there overlooking the Megiddo Valley, and we saw this airstrip there, and we were told that it was the Israeli Air Force, and we asked, where are the planes? Well, they were all on the ground. They're all underground with pilots sitting in them waiting to be launched at a moment's notice. Israel is always ready. And I did a teaching on that when we came back from Israel that time because it had struck me so much that we have the Holy Spirit and we need to be always ready also. We need to be ready for service to the Lord at a drop of a hat. We need to be ready to move when the Lord tells us to move, just like Israel. That's a great example. And we see that. So we had all these people. Now in verse 2, down to verse 15, he begins and he tells you the names of all these divisions. And the first month was Joshua Bean, son of Jaziel. He had 24,000. And Perez, and then et cetera, Dodai. And all the way down, all these names go all the way down there. And there are divisions. Each person commanding a group of 24,000 men. Beginning in chapter 16, David takes and he places leaders over the 12 tribes. Now, interestingly, back in Exodus, in Exodus 18 specifically, back in Exodus 18, Moses was having a difficult time. He was having a difficult time answering all the questions. Moses would sit at the gate of the tabernacle or wherever and people would come to him. Oh, this guy stole my cow, or this person I borrowed money from and I can't get it back, or blah, blah, blah. And he would have to judge what was going on. Well, he got overwhelmed, because you imagine being one judge and over five million people. So he goes to his father-in-law. Not a bad idea if you're married, go to your father-in-law for advice. So he goes to his father-in-law, Jethro, and he asks them, and he complains to them, and Jethro says, hey, get one person from each tribe and make them judges and have them sit there, and then if you're of the tribe of Judah, you go to your judge, and you present your case. He appointed 70 men, 70 men over them, and they became the judges. And this helped out Moses greatly. Well, this is what's happening here. This is what's happening here. In chapter 27, it says, Furthermore, over the tribes of the Israel, the officer over the Reubenites was Eleazar, etc. And he goes down and he names all these people up until verse 23. He names all those. It's interesting, though, 
If you read through those names, there are two tribes missing. Asher and Gad. Asher and Gad are unexplainably missing. And I searched this and tried to search this because in chapter 12 of 1 Chronicles, both tribes, Asher and Gad, helped David in the battles that he fought. But when the northern tribes split, these guys become independent. They really don't become part of it. So we don't really know why they were excluded. But they are excluded. But look at verse 23 and 24 in chapter 27. Very interesting what happens here. But David did not take the number of those 20 years old and under because the Lord said he would multiply Israel like the stars of the heavens. Joab, the son of Zeruah, began a census, but he did not finish, for wrath came upon Israel because of the census, nor was the number recorded in the account of the chronicles of King David. So I looked at this, and David didn't do this. So I guess the thing I wrote down here was that, did David learn his lesson? (laughs) It appears so, doesn't it? It appears like David learned his lesson, and the Lord said, I will supply. I will multiply. I will get things going. We talked about that the other day. We talked about that last week or so when we talked about it's the Lord's job to add to the church daily those who will be saved. We go out and we share the gospel of Jesus Christ and people get saved and they want to find a church. Sure, you might recommend us or you might whatever, but people need a church to come to. And the Lord supplied. The Lord supplied you guys here. They didn't actively go out and recruit you and ask you to come. You guys came on your own. It was something that the Lord drew you here. And for some crazy reason, you stayed. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very grateful that you did. Praise God for that. But you guys came here and you stayed. I think it's wonderful. But it's important to me and it's important to us that we learn the lessons that God's teaching us. David learned his lesson here and he didn't finish the numbering. He didn't go any further. He didn't number these young kids. He learned his lesson, and I think we need to learn our lesson by moving forward in the Lord, not dwelling on the sin that so easily ensnares us, not sitting around going, oh, woe is me, I failed again. Yeah, you did. Move ahead. Move on forward. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all righteousness. Move forward. Don't sit on the dime and constantly worry about what you did. I see David doing this. He said, okay, I learned. I'm not going to do this anymore. The Lord gives us many trials. He gives us many times. And remember, they're all times of testing. The Lord loves to test us. He loves to test our faith, to help improve our faith, to help to make us stronger in our faith. So he tests us. And you may not pass the test the first time. You may have to take it several times. Don't worry. If you fail the test the first time, guaranteed, the Lord will bring the test around again. You'll bring it around again, and you'll go, wait a minute, wasn't I just through this? And you'll know how to act, and you'll know what to do, because he's always faithful. And he says, that's the way it's been in my life. When I have failed certain tests, and I have, when I have failed certain tests, all of a sudden the tests come back, and I go, I remember this one. <laughs> yeah, I remember this one, and hopefully I do better this time. You know, I do better. So that's what I see happening here in David. So in verse 25 down to 34, He talks about the king's treasures. Someone was over the king's treasure. 
Another one was over the storehouses in the fields, in the cities, in the villages, in the fortresses. Another one was over the work in the field and the tilling of the ground. Another one was over the vineyards. Another one was over the produce of the vineyards. Another one wanted to supply the wine. So you can see everybody had a job to do, and everybody was doing their job to the best of their ability. Treasury, storehouses, working in the field, tilling the ground, vineyards, olive trees, herds, camels, donkeys, flocks. There was so much to do for these people. But David trusted men to oversee these areas. And these men were just as important to the kingdom as the spiritual leaders were. And I made some notes here about deacons. Because I believe the deacons take part in the spiritual health of the church, but they also, they do the grunt work. The deacons move things around. They fix things. They do all sorts of things. This is what deacons do, you know? You remember in Acts 6, when the apostles were called on the carpet because the Hellenistic Jews said, our widows are getting shortchanged with the food distribution. Obviously, they distributed food all the time to the various groups. And the Hellenistic Jews, which were the Greek Jews, by the way, they felt shortchanged. They felt shortchanged in Acts 6. And they basically came to the apostles and said, hey, guys, we don't like the fact that you're shortchanging our women. What's going on? Well, it's interesting in Acts 6, and I think it's worth repeating and looking at, in Acts 6, the apostles, the apostles get together and basically through prayer, the 12 summoned the multitude of disciples and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven good men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this is the responsibility of what I think of deacon does. They do those things so that those who are responsible for the spiritual welfare of the church can study the word of God and get ready to teach the word of God and bring forth the word of God. Not that we don't do those things. I have my hand involved in a lot of things. and you know, But the deacons come in and they do these things. They do those things. So I think it's important we have a picture here. These men had been faithful to David. These men were faithful, and David appointed them to that. And I love the description. Seek out seven men of good reputation and full of Holy Spirit and wisdom. I love that. I love that. We're going to appoint them over the business. I like that. So then... These men who had been faithful to David for a long, long time, and they were state officials, and they became his advisors. They became his advisors, and you can look at them. Jenaholothin, David's uncle, was a counselor, a wise man, a scribe. Hithophel, we talked about him before, was a counselor. David had many counselors, and I think this is important for a leader to have many counselors. And there's a proverb, 24, verse 6, says, for by wise counsel you will wage war, your own war, and a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Godly counsel. A multitude of counsels doesn't mean I'm going to go over here and ask Mark something, then I'm going to ask Bill, 
Then I'm going to ask Carl. I'm going to ask Sam. I'm going to ask Tom. I'm going to ask the pillars. I'm going to ask Kevin. And if I like one of those cancers, I'll do it. But if I don't like any of those, I'm going to continue to do it. That's not wise counsel. You choose people who you believe are seeking God and can give you godly counsel, biblical counsel. And it's okay to seek a several. And if you're truly seeking God and they're truly seeking God, chances are the counsel you're going to get is going to be very similar from each person. But unfortunately, we like to find out who's got what, and we like to talk to everybody. And you know what? I don't like your question. How about you, Kevin? I don't like what you're saying over there. Go. You know, and finally, somebody says something that tickles our ear and go, that's what I want to do. That's got to be from the Lord. Okay. Let me know how that works out, big fellow. <laughs> Let me know how that works out. So we got to be careful. First of all, you got to be careful to whom you ask counsel from. And then you got to be careful when you receive counsel and what you do with it. It's very important. It's very, very important. When you ask counsel and you don't do what the counselor says, don't get mad at the person you ask when things don't work out the way you want it. Or when you take that advice that maybe you shouldn't have taken and things go bad, don't get angry. Always seek the Lord first. So this is what David's doing with his counselors. I think it's important to have counselors. I value the guys who are in leadership with me. I value their opinion. And in fact, I value all of your opinions. And I have asked you for your opinion from time to time, and I value your opinions. My one-stock statement is, although I value your opinion, please don't get mad at me when I don't take your advice. But I value your opinion. So... Anyhow, that's what he's saying here. Godly counsel is so important for a leader to have. Godly counsel. Surround themselves with men who are godly men who seek the Lord with their whole heart. And that's what's important, whether it be a ministry, whether it be whatever. So David did that, and I think it's cool. So we come to verse 28, and it says, Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons with the officials and the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. Whew. David had a lot of guys in his court. All these people that he's been appointing and appointing and appointing. Now he calls them all together, all these leaders together. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for a footstool for our God and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house in my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king. Over Israel forever, for he has chosen Judah to be the ruler. Now remember, Judah was the ruler. Where did that choice come from? It came from God, but who passed it down? Chapter 50 of Genesis, Jacob passed it down. Jacob passed that blessing down to Judah, said you're going to be a ruler. You're going to be one. You are assured.
In 1 Chronicles 28, we see David commissioning his son, Solomon, to build the house of the Lord. God had chosen Solomon for this work. In verse 20, David said to Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do it, and do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Anytime we begin a work for the Lord, the enemy is looking to make us afraid or dismayed and discouraged. David knew Solomon would face obstacles, but he encouraged him with the truth that God is with him. And when you face obstacles, fear, and discouragement, God is with you too. We're so glad you decided to join us today. You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working through the book of 1 Chronicles, a book that is rich with stories of faith and courage. This is a series you won't want to miss. If you'd like to hear today's message again, or if you missed it and want to go back to it, head over to AssureHopeRadio.com. Once again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. You'll find today's message and many others to encourage you along the way. If you find yourself in Cape May, New Jersey, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website. We'd love to meet you and spend more time learning together. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We loved spending time with you. See you next time for more on A Sure Hope.